You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited to be breaking the silence today with Amanda Lauder, who is a certified life coach, and her whole mission is to help women from conservative Christian backgrounds love their sex life. She helps women specifically to embrace their sexuality and help them strengthen their relationship with themselves, their spouse, and God. And I love her mission, and I'm so excited to learn from her and to have her with us today. Today, we will be breaking the silence on how can I communicate about sex in relationships with myself, with God. We're just going to be talking about communicating about sex, and I'm so excited to learn from Amanda. So Amanda, please introduce yourself maybe a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll jump in. Yeah. So I'm Amanda. (laughs) I live in Salt Lake City with my husband, Kevin. We've been married for eight years. We are a blended family and we have five children together that range in age from 12 to 21. And in my spare time when I'm not coaching, which I absolutely love my job, like it is the best job in the whole world. I get to talk to women about sex all day, every day. (laughs) So um, I love to read. I love to watch my kids play sports. I love to travel. And if we are not usually watching our kids play sports, we are up in the mountains fishing and camping. So that's where you can usually find me. So fun. I love that. And people can find you on Instagram, Facebook at amandalouder.com and Amanda Louder Coaching. And you also have your own podcast, Live From Love, uh, which you can find on most platforms. Is that right? Yeah, you can find it on all the platforms. Awesome. Great. Go to her website. Such good stuff there. (laughs) Yes. So the first question I have is what problems do you see with people that you work with when it comes to communication specifically about sex? So many problems. (laughs) They don't talk about something that is so important to talk about. They don't know how to talk about it. They don't let their partners know their wants and their desires. They don't let their partners know what they need in order to have pleasure. They don't um, want to hurt their partner's feelings, so they're afraid to communicate. They don't want to be embarrassed, and they're not letting their partners know what they need to do in order to be sexual with them. So there are so many problems that come up in the marital relationship because we don't talk about sex. And what's the beginning process to start getting over that? I'm sure some of it has to do with just start talking about it, right? How do you guide your students through that process? It kind of starts out that we weren't really modeled how to have good conversations about sex. Most of the time, if our parents communicated to us about sex, it was done in really like hush hush tones, like in the back corner, we don't really talk about it, or it was like a really awkward one time experience. So you probably didn't see your parents having conversations about it between the two of them. And if you did have a conversation, it was a very uncomfortable conversation. So we just weren't modeled good sexual communication 
Um, we weren't, we're not modeled it in like media either, TV, movies. So of course we don't know how to talk about it, but intimacy, and I don't mean sex by saying that, I mean, intimacy, intimacy is about knowing the other person, all of them, and also being known completely, which is very scary. And as humans, we have this core fear that we are not enough or we are unlovable. So when we open ourselves up completely, we risk rejection and that we risk that core fear being exposed. And our brain tells us to avoid this at all costs because it sees emotional pain as possible death and it wants to avoid death at all costs. So we just don't open ourselves up because we don't wanna expose ourselves in this way. But we can't have truly intimate relationships without doing so. We have to be willing to start talking about it, even though it's uncomfortable and it feels scary. And really the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you get with it. I really love this, this idea of intimacy. It's something that we've talked about on the podcast before. And Creed, you always talk about like in to me, see, like breaking that down, like really allowing someone to see inside you and to really see you. I think, I think that that's so beautiful. I think as I reflect on my own relationship with my husband, I think that's one of the more beautiful things about being married is that I have the opportunity to really see and know him more than anyone else. And he has that opportunity to see and know me. And it's also the scariest thing, just like you're talking about. It's probably the most vulnerable relationship I have just because like he knows me and he knows all the things, right? And not just like what I like, but like everything, right? And so- The good, the bad, the ugly, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> exactly. all there, fully exposed, right? Totally. And it's so funny that we can do this act, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Why is it so scary to talk about sex? I mean, looking back, I just remember like my sister was always so much more willing to like ask questions to my mom. And all the time I was like, why are you asking her that? And like <laughs> running from the room because I felt so uncomfortable. Well, like why, <laughs> you know? Well, it's that, it's that our brain is telling us that, you know, we risk exposure and we risk oh. people not loving us and we risk rejection. And so it just tells us we need to avoid this at all costs. And we kind of have to overcome those natural tendencies, those thoughts that our brain offers to us and be like, what do I actually want? What I actually want is to have you know, a good, healthy sexual relationship with, you know, my spouse or, you know, be able to talk about these things openly so that I can get to know someone in, you know, an intimate way. We have to just override those natural thoughts that we have. And you have children of your own, as, as you've mentioned, and mm-hmm. how we often, especially in conservative religious cultures, you know, have this interesting, you, you can't talk about sex or things like that. Being a certified sex coach and mom, what are some things that you do with your children? I'm sure you, you change that culture and you talk with them. Do you have any tips or suggestions for our listeners who are newly starting out as parents, who have children in their toddler years, but just about to start you know, needing to communicate about anatomy and, and everything? Yeah. So you said it right there, being able to openly communicate with our children about their anatomy, what things are actually called and how they function. Remember that our bodies were created in the image of our heavenly parents. Our bodies are inherently good and there is nothing about them that is bad. There is nothing about our bodies that are shameful. Yes, there are things that are 
private, but that doesn't mean shameful. So we need to be able to have these open and honest conversations with our children starting from a very young age. And studies show that when we are open about communicating with our children and teaching them proper anatomy and bodily functions and bodily terms, then that actually helps protect them from abuse. I mean, we're not just talking about sex here, but we're talking about, you know, safety and prevention of abuse. So those kinds of things are really important. But when you can, you know, say these words, you know, if you can say penis, vulva, vagina, scrotum, like say these words, like they're just an elbow, an eye, a nose, that's going to be able to open up these conversations in ways with your children that if you are calling it some nickname or, you know, not saying it what it is, then your children sense your hesitancy. They sense your shame about it. And so they in turn also take on that shame. So when you can just be open and say things honestly, and what they are with no shame, then your children learn that and they mimic that. And that all starts with us being the parents, we have to get first comfortable with saying these words out loud, Yes, uh, talking about these subjects. Because if, if our kids notice this uncomfortable aspect when we say them, if we have a hard time saying them, they can learn that there's something uncomfortable about this. So absolutely, it starts, starts with us first. Absolutely. And so if you are uncomfortable saying these words, I suggest you write down all the words that you're uncomfortable with, like a grocery list, and you just start saying them to yourself in the mirror over and over and over. And as you do that, you can get more and more comfortable with them. And then you'll be able to say them to other people with no shame. <laughs> Perfect. I love that practice. I just want to echo that, that that's such a good way. I mean, and like you need, you need that yes. before your kids need that. So yes. I, I yes. be able to say what it is, call it a clitoris, call it your vulva, like call yes. it what it is. Just say the words. <laughs> So yes. good. Yes. So, so good. So, and, and kind of shifting a little bit of gears for young single adults specifically, I think that there's a lot of just like interesting culture out there of like what can be talked about, what can't be talked about, what is okay and what's not okay. What do you think that young single adults can do to respectfully talk about sexuality and why would that be important for them? Yeah. So I think education is really important and we don't get a lot of sexual education in our school systems and definitely not in our families the way that we should. So, you know, if you're not getting it from your parents or another trusted adult, then make sure that you find a trusted adult to have a conversation with. But one of the things that I like to direct young adults to, one of the things that I talk about with my own children who, you know, I do have young adult children is the six principles of healthy sexuality. And these six principles can help people have respectful conversations about sex in a productive way. So the six principles of sexual health are consent, non-exploitation, protection from STIs and pregnancy, honesty, shared values, and mutual pleasure. So if you can talk about sex in these specific terms, then you're going to be able to have really respectful conversations about them, but yet still get to know a potential partner in that way. So you're, you're saying these six principles of health, people can talk about it who are dating, yes. who are just friends. Yes. What would you say to someone? Because we know that um, you often help those who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who's 
love God, active in the church. And, and they're like, but I'm not supposed to talk about these things with my friends or with dating partners. Yeah. How would you respond to that kind of question? Well, I think that the reason we don't have these conversations is because we don't know how to do it in a respectful way. And so we think if we can't do it in a respectful way, we shouldn't talk about it at all. Or we think it's just totally off limits and we shouldn't be talking about it at all. But the fact is that young adults are having these conversations. And so teaching them how to have it in a respectful way based on these like six principles of sexual health can actually facilitate really productive conversations. I mean, I think all of us can agree that consent is a huge part of sex. It's a huge part of dating. It's something we should be teaching our young children. So as you know, when we talk about it in that respect, that's a really good productive conversation. Talking about power differentials in relationships, you know, one partner shouldn't be exploiting another partner. That's a really good conversation to have no matter your relationship you're in. We have to look at, you know, our values around sex. You know, so many of us with these, you know, values that we have as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, some of the things that are happening, I know that one of the things you guys talk about a lot is pornography. That is not within our value system, yet it's still happening. So rather than, you know, you're a bad person for looking at these sexual images, rather like, is this within your integrity? Is this within your value system? What can you do instead that is within your value system? that helps you express your sexuality in a way that's productive. You know, honesty, honesty is important in any relationship. So these are all conversations. And then of course, mutual pleasure that comes more into play as, you know, you move into a sexual relationship, hopefully within a marriage, but you know, all of these are really, really important conversations that we can be having in any relationship. Amen. I just think that's so beautiful. And I love all of these principles because they are applicable to every relationship. Like we really need to be aware of, yeah, like the power differences. We're just going to use that word. (laughs) (laughs) The mom brain is strong today, (laughs) Um, but the differences and, and recognizing that we're equals in every relationship. And that's the key to healthy friendships Totally. (laughs) to, to healthy every every relationship needs to have have these principles in this so i love this as a couple moves to maybe being engaged what should they be talking about before they get married yeah so i think the six principles of sexual health are a really good place to start and then i also suggest that you talk about sexual agreements what each partner is willing to do and what they're not willing to do. What are your agreements about pornography within your marriage? You know, if it's being viewed, do you need to let your partner know? Do you, do you need to be accountable to them? Or do you have someone else that you're being accountable to? You know, how do you feel about masturbation in your marriage? These are conversations that we often don't have and need to be talked about ahead of time. How about hey, relationships? Yeah. I just want to add in here too. I hope that you're having conversations like this before you're engaged about your dating. Like, what are you okay with? Because I think, I think that we sometimes don't have that conversation and it's just like, oh, kissing's fine. But then we end up crossing lines because we never talked about what we're okay with and what we weren't okay with. And I think that's a very individual thing, but it can create so much shame and so much anxiety and so much fear if it's not talked about. But if you can just agree on, hey, like, this is what I'm okay with. And this is what I'm not okay with in order for us to like continue to fill and be worthy as totally. we're dating. Right. I totally love that. Cushel. So I just wanted to add that in there. Cause I think we talk about it in like this engaged period mm-hmm. oftentimes, but like 
please be talking about your boundaries when you're dating. (laughs) That's so important. Well, and those boundaries are different for every person. So you need to tap into your own integrity and what feels good and right to you, and then communicate that to whoever you're dating or engaged to. Another thing that I think is important to talk about is how about your relationships with people of the opposite sex? Where's your line? What are you comfortable with? What constitutes an affair in your eyes, emotional, physical? Okay. How do you want to handle or anticipate handling desire discrepancies? Because desire discrepancies happen in every single marriage. And just having these conversations ahead of time can help alleviate a lot of the problems that we have, especially in those early years of marriage. Expectations of frequency of sex and initiating. Now, all of those things might change once you actually get married, but you're already having the conversations and then you need to keep having the conversations. So I actually have um, a free downloadable for anyone who's listening. You can go to my website and go to amandalouder.com slash breaking the silence. And you can download a free worksheet that goes through the six principles of sexual health and also sexual agreements that you can have those conversations with someone you're in a relationship with. Oh, that'll be so awesome. I'm going to download that. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> that is so great. I love, I love this so much because I really think that having these conversations sets a foundation for continued success in your marriage. And like you said, Amanda, like, it's not just, you had this conversation when you're engaged or like when you're like just married, like you need to continue having these conversations forever. And they're so fun. Like these conversations are fun. I hope that we aren't making them sound (laughs) serious and not fun, but they're so fun because you get to ask yourself hard, fun questions and you get to share that with the person that you love so much. Yes. It's so, so good. Yes. So good. Do you have any more thoughts about, particularly for young single adults, anything else for them to prepare to be okay with all this communication and even how to be integrated with their own sexual values? I think just really taking the time to ask yourself these questions. What does this mean to me? How important it is to me? Where are my lines? What am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? Because you have to tap into that for yourself in order to have good, honest sexual relationships later on, and just having honest relationships before it becomes sexual. Really looking inward and saying, what do I want for me? Who do I want to be in this relationship? Who do I want to be as a person? And really tap into your own integrity and then move forward from there. And you are not responsible for anybody else's emotions. You're not responsible for their happiness. You can't be worried about if they're going to be mad or they might break up with you or anything. You have to take care of yourself first and make sure that you are in integrity with yourself. Because if you aren't in integrity with yourself, you're never going to be happy moving forward. Amen to that. And this is what I want to, <laughs> this is one I want to always add that getting married or like getting engaged isn't going to improve your relationship or your relationship with yourself. So like no. progressing forward in the relationship is not going to solve these issues. You have to be able to handle and support and like honor each other's boundaries dating then when you're engaged and when you're married, like step by step. And I think sometimes we get this idea of, oh, but like it will be fine once we're married because we'll be able to have sex. No, it actually won't be. Mm -hmm. It will not be fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, it just exasperates the issues. It really does. 
Totally. This is an opportunity to learn, to learn about yourself and to learn about your partner. And there were times when I'd be dating a guy and I'd be like, this is my boundary. And he would not honor that boundary. And I would be like, okay, I just learned so much about you. <laughs> like, and, totally. And like, I'd give him the opportunity to honor it and still not honor like whatever insert the boundary. And so that was not going to work for me. Right. And so it's an opportunity to learn about each other and recognize that like progressing forward in that relationship doesn't solve those issues. Right. Yeah. And really marriage is the refiner's fire. It will refine you in ways that you never even imagined. And the more that you are willing to refine yourself ahead of time, the more successful relationships going to be. So it really takes looking inward and looking at, you know, what you really want for yourself, what you want for a relationship and honoring that. And I love that. And I love that you keep talking about this idea of like checking in with your own integrity and like really honoring and respecting that, because Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of the refining comes in. If you can become one with that, like inner integrity and with like the spirit, honestly, it's going to make becoming one with your partner a whole lot easier. <laughs> I love that. I totally and agree with that. I love all of this. And I am curious for someone who just got married and maybe like a newlywed couple, first couple of years of marriage, what can they do to communicate more and maybe better about sex? Maybe they are communicating a little bit about sex, but how can, how can that become a part of their marriage culture? Just being willing to say your truth be willing to, you know, communicate what is in your heart and what it is that you need. Totally. I think with that honesty too, I think it can be very difficult to be honest with what you need. Mm -hmm. And it's very vulnerable to be like, this isn't working for me. Totally. (laughs) Because you want it to be working for you, but it's not like, (laughs) and so to be willing to, to say like, this isn't working for me anymore. Can we explore other options that, that maybe will work better? And I actually have no idea what those options are. I need help. Right. And it's also like, if our partner comes to us and says, Hey, this isn't working for me and we need to change things, not to take it personally, not to see it as a personal rejection, but say, Oh, okay. I can see you know, this isn't working for you. What can I do to help? How can we make this work rather than going, I'm so horrible. I did a horrible job and taking all that shame and rejection. Like that's not what this is about is like, it's how can we move forward together so that we're both happy in this relationship? What can we do if our partner is maybe a little bit unwilling to engage in these intimate uh, sex discussions? What can we do to like introduce them to it help ease them and get more comfortable to have these very important intimate discussions. Keep having them, (laughs) keep trying and realize where they are. You know, I mean, acknowledge where they are. I know that this is really hard for you. I know that it's really uncomfortable, but I feel like this is really important for our relationship. And that's why I keep bringing it up. And even though it is hard, I value you and I value our relationship enough to do the hard things. Awesome. And then, of course, a compassionate, loving partner would (laughs) want to respond to their partner who talks often about what's really important to them and and try to engage in that and get better at talking about what they want to talk about. Absolutely. 
I think it's also always important to remember that you're on the same team and you're working towards the same thing. And one of you is not the enemy or the victim, right? And so remembering that in this conversation, I think can be really helpful to be on the same page in the conversation, if that makes sense, and to not like shift the blame either way. But again, it can help it not be personal, rather like we need to find a solution together. Yeah. And I think, you know, going in with the right heart, with the right motivations behind it. You know, if you're going in saying, okay, there's going to be a winner and a loser, and I'm not going to be the loser, you're going to have problems, right? But if you go in and say, you know, this is what I truly care about. This is what I want. I love you. I want a good relationship for both of us. You know, what can we do together to make this better? Because we are on the same team. Love that. So Wonderful. Do you have any other suggestions or things that you want to share with our listeners about this topic? Just a couple little things. Understand that sex is a lot more than just intercourse. I think we kind of think of intercourse as the pinnacle. And so that's the goal every single time. And that's not the goal. Orgasm isn't the goal. Okay. The goal is connection and pleasure, intimacy. That's the goal. So if you are working together towards that, you're going to have a much better experience for both parties. And then this is just a little, I'll throw this out here. I hear of a lot of couples who have a terrible wedding night and a terrible honeymoon. There's so much buildup and then it just really doesn't go (laughs) the way that you think it's going to go. So my advice is take intercourse off the table on the first night. Use that time to really just get to know each other get to know each other's bodies and you'll be eventually ready for intercourse, but most people rush into it and that's when it's terrible and it's Mm. painful and it's not mutually pleasurable. And it's usually the husband going in as fast as he can, which is not ever good for her. Mm -hmm. So women advocate for yourself. This is what I want. And I always say, don't have intercourse until she's begging for it. Nice. I think that that's so, I'm so glad that you said that because I don't think that's talked about enough. (laughs) And I think also um, it's important to have that conversation before the wedding night. And, And that's a conversation that you should have when you're engaged. And that can be so helpful to be like, this is what we both expect on our wedding night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that way it's like, you both know what you're getting into. You're ready for that. It's been a big day. like just Totally. <laughs> and so just taking that off, the pressure off by already talking about it will help so much. I also know a lot of couples that having that conversation has really helped and not having that conversation has really created a lot of pain and hurt. So yeah. I agree. <laughs> I so agree. I super appreciate that you mentioned that. I mean, I've never heard or even thought that, oh, you, you don't have to have intercourse on your first married night. Like that's totally (laughs) an option. Um, I feel like that's just kind of the culture, but we don't have to abide by that. We can set our own pace and do what's right for us. And I really appreciate that you mentioned that that's golden, golden nugget right there. So I really recommend women need to understand how their bodies work and communicate that to their spouse (laughs) or their future spouse, if he doesn't know that already. So, and women's bodies take a whole lot longer to be ready for intercourse than most people think it does. And if it's painful, it shouldn't ever be painful, even the first time. So if it's painful, stop right there because you don't want to push through the pain then your brain creates a pain response and it turns into 
a worse thing than it can be, but women need usually 45 to 60 minutes to warm up in order to be ready for intercourse, especially the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think also you're still learning so much about yourself when you're getting married. Like (laughs) you've just like, you probably have no idea. Like as a woman, you don't know what you need and your husband doesn't know. Like, nope. So you've just got to explore and figure that out together. And mm-hmm. so, yes, I'm so glad you shared that, Amanda. That's something that I share with my friends when they get engaged. I'm like, please talk about this. And this is what I recommend. <laughs> so, yes, totally. totally agree with that. Love, Love that. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for your wisdom, for your light. Thanks Bless so much you. for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals. And the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.